Hi, and welcome to Everything Theatre's podcast, where we chat to the creatives involved in bringing you some of the amazing theatre we get to enjoy. Find out how exciting new shows come together and listen to the behind the scenes stories from directors, musicians, producers, and more. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. This week, I've got Joe Darrington. Joe is about to play Dr. Watson in Sherlock Holmes' A Value of the Fear, which is the latest play from Black Eyed Theatre. Um, Joe, love to meet you. Just want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your sort of theatre background is. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so um, I trained in Northampton at the University of Northampton. Um, most of my theatre work, God, when was that? That was back in 2014. I think that's 10 years ago. 10 wow. years ago, I've been yeah, yeah, quite a while. Um, most of my theatre stuff uh, has been touring theatre, very little TV and film. Uh, I like to kind of say that it's because my my, my true love is theatre, and it is, but I was never cast in any of that stuff. Uh, I obviously haven't got the face for it. Um, a lot of radio as well. Maybe I've got the face for that. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the, <laughs> the theatre has been touring, so I've... I've been up and down the country for for a few years performing at some of the most beautiful theatres. Um, and I was very lucky enough as well to tour Italy, which was just like touring in England, uh, but with more <laughs> with more carbs. <laughs> Why did you? I, I, how did you end up touring Italy? It was through a theatre company. They do like um, they do English performances to Italian uh, schools like 14 up to 18 years old. And it was moving around the entire country, mostly in the south and uh, Sicily, um, a tiny bit of the north. So I got to see some of the culture of the north, but I got a lot of food from the south. Um, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful country. Wonderful. That does sound fun. Yeah. Um, right. And then Sherlock Holmes then. So, so um, what can you tell us about um, this production of Sherlock Holmes and sort of the Valley of Fear? Yeah, so uh, The Valley of Fear, uh, try and explain it without giving away any spoilers. Mm -hmm. uh, we sort of set the scene in Baker Street where Holmes and Watson um, receive a, a cryptic message uh, informing them of danger at Burlston Manor uh, and their, uh, their worries are quickly confirmed by the police and they're whisked down to Sussex to try and solve... Um, the mystery of a murder. I don't think it's a spoiler to give away murder. I think in a lot of homes, um, <laughs> plays and novels, there's a murder. Um, but it, it doesn't just take place in um, the UK and Victorian Britain. We also span across the Atlantic Ocean to America and a few years before, and uh, we hear about a secret society that might have some hand in it. Um, but without going into too much detail, it's that. And it, it I just found that the 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 plot itself has such twists and turns that if if you don't know the story, it it's brilliant. If you do know the story, the the writer um, Nick, well, the writers who are Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle, but Nick ad adapted it. He's kept very true to to the to the book. So the the first half usually takes place in the UK, second half in America, but he's managed to sort of interweave them together. Um, so we use music and we use um, lighting and the set to transport us between these two continents. Um, and there's also, you know, gunfights and good-looking people. The others, not me. The others. Do you, do you find a lot? I mean, Sherlock Holmes obviously is so 
Yeah, there's been so many versions, so many different stories, so many different styles. Do you find people still come not knowing the the, the story? You know, you know, so like for this one, do you, do you think most of your audience will come along not knowing the, the actual story and not knowing where it's go-go? Yeah, certainly some of them. Uh, we get a lot of people who who do know the story. Your your true Sherlock Holmesians. Um, I, I think that's what they're. I think that's what they're referred to, like believers. But Sherlock Holmesians. Um, but you do get some people that that don't know it because Sherlock Holmes, as as a name, is so famous, especially around the world, that it it does draw in a crowd and people. I think there's this this inherent nature in humans to 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 be mystified to be to be involved in a mystery, to try and seek out meaning and to seek out answers. So I think a mystery in general has such wide audience appeal. And Sherlock Holmes is such a big name that people will come and see without knowing the story. And it is nice in, you know, in some theatres, you 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 can hear this sort of this sort of shift during the conclusion where people go, oh, okay, didn't didn't even spot that, didn't see that coming, uh, which is really, really nice. Um, but but as well, the for those people that do come that know it, um, it's nice hearing them praise the show on its authenticity to the original works, which I think is important. There's lots of different versions of Sherlock. You know, I think there was a a Sherlock Christmas Carol, which certainly has an audience, and it was I hear it was absolutely brilliant. Um, but for someone that just wants to come and see a, a play, a Sherlock Holmes play. Uh, this is this is one hundred percent for them, and uh, yeah, I, I hope they enjoy it as they did the first time around. Is it hard to do a, a, like a a thriller? I mean, and I've had this conversation with people before about you don't get a lot of good thrillers on stage, for, and we can't quite work out why. Is it is is it is it harder to do a thriller because you've got to get all the twists and turns tied in together nicely, or? I think so. I, do you know what? I don't know. I think you get a lot of TV and film thrillers because you've got longer, uh, especially with a TV series, you have a lot longer mm. to see the exposition and to and to hide sort of Easter eggs for people to try and pick out. And, you know, a lot of times it's it's when you watch it the second or third or fourth time, you start to notice those things that you didn't see before. Whereas with a theatre show, obviously, come and see it, you know, two, three, four times, but you have that one shot. You have that one two and a bit hours of fitting everything in and getting everyone on the same page. And everyone works differently. Everyone's mind works differently. Some people will be with us the whole way. Some people will need a little bit of time to try and catch up. So I think it might be just slightly more difficult for, for the stage because there is that the mass of people in one room all working at different rates um the the production itself the the director um the choreographer composers uh, will try and bring everyone or try and bring everyone at the same speed um so maybe that's why it's a little bit more more tricky with with theatre, but I I think you know there's there's still Agatha Christie's and, and all mm. sorts going on. But the the longest running show in yeah, the West, there's, is, yeah, there's demand for it. It's what it's what this is what always amazed me how you don't see so you know you'd think because of Mousetrap, I always I always wonder why there's not more long running shows and it's one of those it's one of those mysteries horror thrillers just just a lack of. Um, and anyone who listens regularly will know I'm obsessed. There should be more horror on stage. 
More blood, um, more blood and gore. Oh, oh, absolutely. The more blood, the better. I mean, I went to see, um, completely going off, to, off track here, but I went, I remember seeing, um, uh, Let the Right One In, the Scand- there's a, the Scandinavian horror film. Okay. And they did a stage version of that. And there was so much blood. It was fantastic. I, 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 they, she must have had the the woman, the the woman who, the one who played the vampire. Spoiler. Um, at one point, she just put her hands up and, it, and her blood running down her arms in the middle of the stage, and it was so well done. And I would not have wanted to be the person who had to clean that stage afterwards. So that's where all the budget but, goes. Yeah, it, it really, yeah, it must have been. Anyway, completely off track because this is obviously not horror. Um, so you've, I think you've mentioned this. This is a you're doing this in a very traditional style, or you know, the more true to the original as opposed to you know, not the modernized stuff like the um, you know, the BBC drama versions where they can put it into sort of modern days. This old, this is going to be good old fashioned style. Yeah, yes, this is very, very true to the to the to the original text um costumes set uh obviously the set's not from the victorian period but it's it's, it's certainly made to look, look yeah um so you, if you do come and see it see if you can spot the beautiful wallpaper I, I really love it but yeah we try and keep um in victorian times um because that's you know when the story was written and so we want to try and try and be as authentic as possible the the modern adaptations that that are out there are are great they're amazing um i, I mean the benedict cumberbatch and, and martin freeman version w- was amazing um with one of the best moriarty's for me for me andrew scott i i quite liked it i know um some people aren't huge fans um but yeah I, there is certainly a place for for the modern times but we wanted to try and keep it true I say we, Nick, Nick, the writer, wanted to try and get... He did all the hard work. <laughs> and you'll take all the glory. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it just means lots of sort of um, good, as I say, good beard. Well, you've got a great beard there, anyway, I can see. But beard, do you have a good you have a moustache, twiddly moustache, maybe? And so I do have a moustache. Um, it's my own moustache. It's not so much twiddly. <laughs> um, back when... So, so this is the second Sherlock Holmes show that I've done with Black Eyed. Uh, theatre and the first one uh, which was the sign of four you know I looked quite heavily into into facial hair because facial hair was quite a big thing um, back there back then um, and mutton chops was just sort of the one thing I thought no I I, I can't live a year and have big old <laughs> mutton chops they went out of fashion quite a while ago I think so I settled for the moustache um, and it's on the posters I've got this this lovely lovely moustache uh, however, my passport, we we took it to China and my passport ran out. Uh, so I had to have new photos taken. And now for the next 10 years, I have uh, a moustache on my passport and um, the machine at Heathrow doesn't recognise me. <laughs> I, I have to keep getting checked by the by the people behind the screens because the machine doesn't recognise no moustache. Who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Because I take it the language is slightly different as well, then, isn't it? You know, this Victorian language is is, is a different way. This isn't even, I suppose, um, you know, it's a posher, you know, is it posher? You know, doctors would have been quite professional, wouldn't they? So is there, um, is, is there a difference in language? Is it harder to do because you're, you know, I, I know you're an actor, so you should yeah. be good at doing anything, but is it is it hard to, to, 
to do it when you're setting yourself in that time you know you have to think about a lot more different things not not particularly um really i think that that's the beauty of the writing uh the writing is very universal um you can you can understand it you know shakespearean is completely different shakespeare is a whole other language and you get the you do get the gist it's so poetic but this is this is just english with with slightly posher accents uh some of the some of the accents um so I, I, it is very accessible i think the only difficulty that that we had was was thinking about how certain things would have been said back then for example um where sherlock holmes lived we say um 221b baker street but they didn't really shorten numbers so instead of being 221b baker street it would be 221b baker street so little things like that which are uh, are turned to to keep it more within the time period still understandable it's still just numbers but it's a little bit more authentic um so yeah i think it's still very much accessible um i'm not using too many long words because i i, I wouldn't be able to pronounce them do, do you think that like the 221 and 221 are those the sort of things you get picked up on by the perfectionist you get people come along and say oh they wouldn't have done that you know would do you actually get people who will pick you up on that afterwards yes yeah. You you can do. Uh, our audience have been very lovely, but yeah, you you can get um, people just going. Oh, by the way, um, you you said this, but actually it would have been pronounced like this. And it's to be honest with you, it, it's really good for us because then we can then process it and go. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Get the etymology of words and then change it so that again, it's it's more in depth um, and more in keeping with the time period. So I think it can only improve the performance. And you said you worked with Black Eyed. You've done um, Sign of Four previously, and you played Watson then as well, yeah. I did, yeah. So, a thinner so version. It's, hmm? A thinner version. A thinner version. <laughs> Is it the same Sherlock as well? Is it it same... was, yeah. So, in um, the Sign of Four, in the first tour we did with the Valley of Fear, um, Luke Barton played Sherlock Holmes. Amazing, amazing actor. It was so good to work with him, and you know we're still friends now. You meet these strangers um, one year, and you work with them for a bit, and then you know you make good friendships, which is great. Unfortunately, Luke couldn't make this production um, just because it's a it's a shorter it's a shorter run, and and he's busy. But we've got um, another actor coming on board uh, called Bobby Bradley, uh, who was in Black Eyed's uh, Frankenstein recently. So. I think we're gonna we're gonna get slightly different dynamics as well. It's always it's always nice to work with someone new because you find things that you didn't have the first time around, and and you you get these relationships between two two characters because the relationship between two actors is new and and everything's being adapted. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to working with Bobby. Well, it's and even though it's a different play, you're playing the same character. Hmm. Is it does that make is that is that quite nice to go back to that character? You know, is it like you know you've already you've worked out all the nuances you like to play how to play? Is it is it something nice to go back and do, you know, something else with the same character? Yeah, it, it, do you know what it's it, it's a double edged sword. It is really nice, and it's nice to sort of put the old character back on and and remember what it was like to play this part. But then you also have to think about okay, how how has he changed? What's the time frame? between between the two how much older is he in my case how much heavier is he because I, I i put the weight on purely for the role 
um, because I thought he would have um, been larger. I've been working on this uh, for a while, have you? To prepare yeah, for this. A fair few years. To be honest, I was doing it before playing Watson. Uh, I was slowly putting it on in anticipation. So, yeah, I, I think that um, it's a double-edged sword with the fact that it's great playing the, playing the character again, but it's also the, the, the nerves of will it be as good as the last time? Will it be as, as well-received as the last time? Um, because things invariably have changed. But again, audiences have been very lovely and very kind. Have you read the book? This is based on, you know, the, have you read the original book? I did. I read the original book before. So um, we were contacted about it about ooh, two or three months. We were contacted long before, but the world ended um with covid-19 unfortunately uh so it was sort of put on the put on the shelf and then um a few months uh before the proposed start date we got myself and and Luke got an email from um the producer Adrian who said would you be interested in doing this you know the time is now everything's in place would you be thinking about it thought yeah okay the valley of fear i'll have a read so I, I do remember reading it and I remember, you know, think I remember enjoying those those plot. I can't say twists. I've said it now, but <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. But yeah, plot twists. Um, but because I had so much in my head of sort of going, oh, OK, how how is that going to work? How are we going to do this? I can't remember too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never, I've never read any of the original sort of um, stories. Are, are they written in a way they are quite good to put? You know, are they written ready for stage, or a lot of work had to gone into them to to get them stage ready? I think it depends how you how you stage it. Um, it's it's very much written from the point of view of Watson, mm. and so Watson is kind of the the through line narrating it um and 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 it's sort of the looking glass that you see sherlock and his his wonderful ways through and if you do a production a little bit basically the kind that we're doing where you have watson as the narrator and and keeping the audience up to date with everything and keeping everyone together i think it does transfer from from page to stage very well with this particular one it's that added difficulty of getting the timelines um, all in together because it takes place 20 years apart and in two different countries. Um, so, yeah, it depends on the on the version and how you perform it to, to how well it can translate and how how easily it can transfer from, from the page to the stage. Um, I think if you're doing a, an all-musical version with trapeze artists and, you know, you know amphitheatres, it might be slightly, slightly more tricky. Yeah. <laughs> How easy as well to um because again going back to what we said earlier about you know obviously Sherlock Holmes has been done in so many different ways move you know big Hollywood films the BBC productions a lot of old productions how easy is it to make um what's in your own character you know how do you put your own stamp on it and not get too drawn in by other versions we may have seen like the Martin Freeman version with difficulty I think um it, it kind of comes from. I'd say it comes from a lot of collaboration uh, and discussions with what the what the director. Luckily, the director and the 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 writer are the same person, so I only had to have the, particularly have the conversation with one person, but also the producer as well on what they kind of 
what they thought. Watson has been played in the past um, as sort of like a buffoonish style character, but you do have to remember that Watson is a medical man. He's a he's a physician, and so was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So would would Sir Arthur Conan Doyle have written this character as this buffoonish character making a mockery of his own? Um, of his own profession and maybe maybe he did but we we thought may, maybe not you know Holmes is this intellectual orb of the most talented ideas and 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 deductive reasoning but Watson is also an intelligent character so we wanted to try and push that a bit more and I I don't know if if I'm putting my own stamp on it like that because Martin Freeman's version is also an intelligent character but he's very they they laid quite heavily into the military side of it. Jude Law in the film version was uh, also a very intellectual man, but he had you know a gambling addiction and he was very good looking and his moustache was incredible. Uh, so I think my version was was kind of focusing on on being intellectual, but sort of being a focus of of Holmes. Holmes's brain is constantly firing off at a million miles a second. And kind of going, okay, well, let's let's channel it into this. What 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 do you think of this? What what should we do about this? And also Holmes, I think that the relationship between Watson and Holmes kind of cultivates its own uniqueness for for Watson's character because it's a it's a brotherly, an awkward brotherly love as well. You know this this absolute admiration um, that Watson feels for Holmes. He is, of course infuriated by him and 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 annoyed every now and again but actually at the end of the day it's wow what what a what a man what a brain um so i think that the my own stamp on the character has come from from those those essentially those parts of watson but also from my watson's interaction with with holmes why do you think we're so drawn to sherlock holmes stories then why do you think you know why do you think we still have stage shows. We they still keep making new productions of it. You know, let's say for TV and stage. Why is why is it still something we're obsessed with? I think it's that idea of mystery. I think it's that that basic human instinct to to be presented with a problem and to gain answers. I think it's it's a journey for an audience member to kind of go, okay, all right, I can do this. Right, what's he seeing? I'll, I'll give it a go. I'm, I'm as, I'm, I'm a bright spark too. I'm as good as Holmes. And actually, yeah, they, they might go, got it, knew it, knew it all along. It was the butler, you know. <laughs> um, always the butler. It's always the butler. Uh, there's no butler in this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's that that basic human instinct of being presented with a problem and the entertainment and the want to try and find answers and to try and work out a mystery. Is there an added pressure on you? To, I just thought of that, because obviously, you know, each night, little errors come in. Is there added mm. pressure? Because if you make an error and miss out a line or something, you can miss a, an important, a vital clue to the plot. Is there, that, is, is there a chance you can completely destroy the whole ending because you miss a line out somewhere? Not oh, that yeah. I worry you anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't happened so far, but thanks. Thanks, Rob. That's in your mind now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I, I could walk on stage and my first line be, you know, um, the Valley of Fear. It was the butler. 
<laughs> I think that would that would ruin it. Again, there's no butler in this one. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think any of us missing out a line or adding in the accidental line or skipping from the first line to the last line might ruin the mystery, but it, it hasn't happened yet. It won't, I'm sure. Um, okay. <laughs> um, what I want to know, actually, because is, is there a pecking order here? Is 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 Watson, do you, do you have ambitions to move on to playing homes at some point? I, I don't think I could handle it. <laughs> no, no, no ambition to play uh, to, to play homes. I'm, I'm very happy with Watson. I'm very happy with with how his character fits me. Um but uh, actually this will this will probably be my last acting job for a while um so i think um i think i'm more than contented with with being watson not the mustache but that it comes with the territory comes with the passport now <laughs> 10 years 10 yeah. years um what's it what's it like doing a touring show as well because i say cause obviously most people we I chat to are you know do it usually doing a week or two in a in a pub theatre in London, is 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 it is so you're on tour for what about six weeks, five six weeks, isn't it? You know, and so it's not you know four or five different venues. Does that create a different atmosphere? Is it do you have, is it a different mindset for you to if you were just based three weeks down in London? Is it, is it different? Yes, it's it's very different. It's for me, it's very different because I. I have had a great time touring theatre and, and I get, I'm very fortunate. I get to see lots of different parts of the country. Um, I get to see lots of different theatres. I get to go and see lots of different, you know, historical sites around the UK. Um, and then I get to do what I love. I get to work, you know, um, and the audiences bring something different. An audience in London is different from an audience in Hull, is different from an audience in Plymouth, different from an audience in Dundee. And every audience brings their own atmosphere and their own vibe. You know, people in 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 the north uh, of the country, for me anyway, are always so much more um, open with their feelings. And they're you know, you 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 do something. The reaction is more is more audible in London. I think we're very much more cerebral. So even though we're having the same emotional output, everything's a little more internalized. I just think different different places gives different energies gives different performances as well you know um not that one performance is is better than another but you know you you feed off of the audience and you feed off of what you've done that day and you you feed off of off of the area that you're in so i think touring theater just brings such a spectrum to to the show that you're doing um, rather than just being in one place for for three or three or four weeks, although we're, we're in London for three weeks, and it means I get to stay at home. <laughs> I get to see my partner. You know, she'll be happy about that. So that's good. Yeah. Do, do you become a tourist when you're on tour? Because I say, because you've got all day to kill, haven't you? I suppose. Do, do you become a? Do, do you really do the tour? You know, are you out exploring all these different cities and towns you go to? Yeah, yeah. It, different places that we go will. Um, and usually as well together, you know, uh, okay. if, if all of us haven't been to a particular place or, uh, for example, when we were up, up in uh, up in the north, um, we were in Middlesbrough um, our stage manager at the time, Jay, they they're from that area. And so they went, oh, there's this place. Let's go to this place. So we all 
jump in the car, we drive down to Saltburn and we spend the day by the beach going to the arcades and eating fish and chips by the sea. Or uh, if we're in uh, the south, we'll go and visit um, somewhere else or a different place, you know, because we're all from all over. We kind of have places that we know and we'll take them there. That one of the actors is from America. So if this tour goes to America, I'm, Perfect. I'm talking to the producer now. <laughs> then you know he can show us around Texas. Yeah, I'm sure Sherlock Holmes in Texas. I'm sure there's a there's demand for it. I think go down great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Time to wrap up. So what we just finish off one last chance. Give us a quick sort of sixty seconds or so on why we should all be coming to see Sherlock Holmes, um, the Valley of Fear when you play at. And I've got the tour date. So the Arts Depot, 9th and tenth of March. Dundee Rep, 13th, 16th of March. Derby Theatre, 19th to 23rd of March. Then Southwark Playhouse, that's a, that's the three-week run from 27th of March. And then down to Bath on the 16th to the 20th of April. What is it we should be coming along? What, what What's that one thing we should be coming along to see you for? Come along, see the show, forget the worries and the world that we're in now. And for two and a bit hours, switch off, tune in, tune into a mystery. Try and solve it and just have fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy the music. Enjoy the performance. Have a great time. We've not even talked about music, have we? There is music in this, isn't there? There is composed music. Tristan uh, Tristan Parks, he's uh, on his guitar. In fact, there's about 40 instruments in there and he, he plays pretty much all of them. Um, not, not on stage, he's recorded it all. Um, yeah, original soundtrack. Brilliant. We've got, we got some songs that we sing. You sing. And you sing as well. Yeah. I know that. And say so, well. Even... You sing. <laughs> it does sound good. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I say, we'll put all the dates up on the website um, for this. And as I say, it's coming to Southwark Playhouse in London. So obviously, I know sort of that's, we'll try and hopefully get along to see you there at some point as well. Have a great talk. Good luck with this when it comes up in March. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. You too. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to share our podcast if you enjoyed it and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.